Cinema! Cinema! You're listening to the Cinemaphile Podcast with Andrew Shearer. Brought to you by OnlineAthens.com. Not a not good at the professional introduction, but you you deserve one. Amy, hi, welcome. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me. No problem. Oh, I should say, do people like avoid saying your last name because they don't want to try? I think so. Yeah. I shouldn't say that because I would say Amy from the Bloodlust, but I actually successfully pronounced your last name the very first time I interviewed you. No, you sure did, and I'll never forget it. Okay, well, let's see if I remember how it goes. Palnessa. That's it. Yeah. I don't even say it on my show. You don't? No. I don't know why. We all just kind of kept doing first names. I asked him one time, the other uh, host, do you want to go with first and last? You know, do you think it makes it sound less professional that we just do first names? And they didn't want to do it, so. Oh, want to have that, maintain that anonymity. I, I get it, you know. But it doesn't bother me. It. Well, no, well, you're the fearless leader. Exactly. And I, of course, represent myself in my professional career, <laughs> such as it is. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, well, you know, it, I'm, I'm so happy that you want to do this, though, because what we were saying before I hit record was that I really want, I'm thinking of uh, top lists of the decade. And before, like, I go any further with saying that, I just want to mention, I'm doing 10 years, so 09 through 19. That's what I consider to be. You know, the decade or whatever. Yeah. So um, I've been thinking in terms of the best movies that I saw, and that's just a really massive list and hard to pare down to 10. And uh, so I thought maybe um, just making them in, in a genre would be a good idea. And so I want to do a family films one, but I also want to do a horror one. And um, because you watch much more horror than I do, um, I thought you would be the perfect person to talk about this with. So thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I haven't even gotten started on the best just movies in general of the decade. Mm. That's a huge task. It's easier to you know. break it up, like you said. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't even want to think about that. That'll be near the end of the year when I have to do that. But for right now, I've done my top 10 of 2019, but I wanted, yeah, I wanted to start thinking about the decade. I think there was something you put on Twitter that made me start thinking about the best movies of the decade, and, or maybe the last 20 years. I can't remember what you said, but I was like, you want to do a list? And you were all, yeah. Yeah, and I still am. And I think it was, I don't know, I've been thinking about the end of the decade for a while now. I love making lists, you know, I'm a nerd. Same. <laughs> well, we were talking about the... the uh, t- we actually not just today. We often talk about uh, 1999. Oh yeah, not not just the song, but the year because it was a, it was just to me the the best year for film. Uh, for the the 90s, definitely one of the best years of film I can ever think of. And uh, you always kind of agree with me that it was great. Oh heck yeah! I mean, it was kind of the the year that I started to go see a lot of movies. That uh, you know, I was driving farther away, going to the art theaters and stuff. So maybe I thought it was kind of me being partial 
to the movies that came out in 99. But when you think about all of the great things that came out, The Matrix, Audition, uh, what helped me out, Andrew? We have oh, so well, many. I, say, <laughs> I could just keep going, can, but... <laughs> yeah, one can refer to um, the recent episode I did with Kate uh, about Idle Hands. Not one of the best movies of the 90s. However, <laughs> I did I did a, a pretty big list of some of my favorites from 99 in there. But I, you and I were talking about specifically um, uh, Kimberly Pierce's Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. And uh, you also mentioned... Um, being John Malkovich as well. Which I think is my favorite of 99. But it's tough because yeah. I love Audition. I, uh, I, I, I just go by what do I still remember? Right. You know, what, what left the big impression on me? And, um, but I'm a cheerleader and Run Lola Run were, the, were two for me. Well, those are great choices. And uh, still movies that I've gone back to and watched. Yeah, they're still, they, they age really well. But my theory on 99 and looking back at all the movies that, uh, and how much different, um, 2019 looks or 2009 even looks than 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why, um, there were so many like really original and really weird movies that came out from like major studios and big money and even the Oscars went to some because I consider American Beauty to be a very bizarre film. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's because people thought the world was going to end. That's my theory. And they just were like going for broke. What do you think? They're thinking, well, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> Fight Club, what is it? Give them millions of dollars. Go for it. Yeah, sure. What the hell? <laughs> it's, it's as good a theory as I've heard. It's very simple. You know, I would have rather than made invisible monsters, but what are you going to do? Oh, but it was a... Uh, yeah, that's that's my memory of it. People really just thought because uh, you think about it, uh, who would give the money to the Matrix now? They would never make. They would never. That would never be a hit, and they would never greenlight something like that. No, it's it'd be too much of a a leap, a leap of faith. There's no way. Either that, or people would be like, "What's the big deal? We're living it." That's why nobody went to see Terminator. They're like, <laughs> "What Skynet? That already happened. That's, isn't that what Facebook is?" <laughs> right. <laughs> the apocalypse world war three basically already happened you know <laughs> did that not do well of the uh the terminator dark feet yeah i i don't think so ah, no i think this is the last we'll last see of the Terminator. i didn't see it so you know, i mean i, just, I uh, didn't see it either but i wanted to but then it was over two hours long what do they want from me I know, that's always a deciding factor. What does that mean about me, that that's a way I decide whether or not to go see something? I mean, it's, it's hard. It's, it, you, have, you have to plan out your weekends or your evenings or whatever, and sometimes it's hard to parcel out a three-hour span of time that you can actually devote. I know, and I remember when, and I don't know how much of a Terrence Malick fan you are, I know most people are not, but when I went to see Tree of Life, I had a feeling... I was going to need time not only to watch the movie, but to then collect myself afterward. So I like remember that day. I was like, okay, I need to go see it then because I'll then need at least 10 to 15 <laughs> to gather myself. Right. It's almost like it, it doesn't count if you can't roll it around in your mind for a little bit afterwards. You need to let it sink in. Before we do our top 10 lists of the decade, um, I thought we might devote a little bit of time to um, choosing maybe one horror movie from, uh, from the decade that we feel is maybe uh, overrated. 
and I definitely have my own choice and you have a fantabulous choice or choices. Um, so let me hear it, man. Well, I, I definitely had something in mind when you brought this up earlier. Okay. And that is the conjuring franchise. I mean, every single, I, not all the tie-ins and everything, but I didn't like either of the conjuring movies. Mm-hmm. And every time I see the conjuring on, on top 10 lists, especially best of the decade, I roll my eyes. I just don't think yeah. it was anything that we hadn't already seen. I think they, it was very safe. And I think it has a weird, um, family values, Christian agenda. Why? Just cause it was written by those people. Yeah. And the, the, the couple, <laughs> right. just the, the squeaky cleanness of the, the marriage of the couple. And I don't, it's just all very saccharine and artificial and, and not scary to me. There wasn't anything in those movies that I didn't think was telegraphed big time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you ever do this, but um, some of those movies that people claim are like, super scary when they go see them in the theater. Um, one thing that I've observed, particularly with the conjuring ones is that uh, people are there uh, um, to um, scream at the loud noises, uh, hold on to their friends. Um, particularly one of the Annabelle movies, which I don't dislike. I've actually grown to enjoy the Annabelles. No love for the conjuring ones Mm-mm. though, but they, uh, they run in and at the theater, they run out. It's just like a little kind of a fun house thing. Uh, but you watch those movies, uh, at home and, uh, turn the sound off. It is, uh, really boring. Yeah. Big time. And I guess I get the appeal, you know, it's, it's like going through a haunted house mm-hmm. and people yes. want to know that a scare is coming because, you know, that's the kind of scare that they like. Oh, my God, it's coming. And there it is. You know, just like I suspected. But yeah, I feel like even it, that has been done better than in those movies. And why is that always on the list when, like, Insidious, for example, isn't? That, that I thought, was a lot more original and interesting than the Conjuring movie. Either of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, the ultimate experience in horror for all time, as we know, is uh, is it. Oh, yeah, right. Because it made the most money, and you know what that means. <laughs> that means it's the best, absolutely. Um, I Obviously, I'm in agreement with you there. Um, my pick for the most overrated, and keep in mind, the rest of this show is going to be all about the things we love. So I'm getting this out of the way, uh, because I know people would much rather me. I, I spend very little, if no time at all, usually in my podcast, uh, disparaging anything. Um, but I, this is one very similar to you that I see on lists all the time and that fans actually really love, uh, that I, I particularly just don't get, which is a cabin in the woods. Ah, uh, yeah. And I'm, I love horror comedies. I'm not opposed to them. Um, I ran out to see cabin in the woods based on the premise thinking that it was going to be right up my alley. And, um, I, you know, I started to look around and I was just like, all right, I'll wait. And I got home, I started to think about it. I was like, mm, what, what, what was this? What, what is my problem? Because everybody clearly loved it. And my friends loved it too. Right. And I was like, okay, I'll do this. I'll put on waxwork. And if I still think that they ripped off waxwork after I watch waxwork, then I'll be right. I watched it and I was right. 
Waxwork, huh? Oop. I just hit it's waxwork. It's <laughs> it is so oh, really? waxwork. Yeah, somebody just Wikipedia waxwork. Read the plot. Um, but but I think my my bigger problem was that with that was that like it was written by some smarty pants people mm-hmm. who thought um, they they actually I feel um, rather than being big fans of horror were rather kind of disparaging of the genre in particular and and presumed that they could write the best horror movie ever made. Uh, because they were smarty pants. And I was like, okay, so I believe it, uh, it, if it may have been the writers of the show Lost. It was Joss Whedon, the guy who okay. did the Buffy and the Buffy, Angel okay. and those shows. Okay, so to me, yeah, it just uh, it didn't do to me what it was, I feel like, manufactured to do to the horror fan. And instead it was like, here's what I think of you and here's what I know you'll love, you know, Button, 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 wax work. <laughs> Sorry. But anyway, so for me, it's Cabin in the Woods. Uh, and, and, uh, but I agree with you completely about the Conjuring's. Um, but I do, yeah, I've, I've come around on Annabelle a little bit. Not that it's my fave, but it's, it was my gateway into being able to enjoy uh, some of the horror that's happening now. Which, uh, I don't know, do you, think, do you think this decade was better than the past one in terms of horror movies? Because I noticed making my list, it got harder and harder to make my choices as the decade went. I do think this decade is better than the aughts. Yeah. I had, it was really difficult for me to narrow down my list to 10. I, okay. I almost can't do it. I'm still having a hard time. <laughs> I had a hard time too. Here's how I, here's how I figured mine out. Um, I went by year and just picked one per year. That was the only way I could crack it. How about you? I pretty much made a giant list and then kept narrowing it down. What, what kind of things made you strike stuff off? Like just, oh, I thought about this one thing about the movie I didn't like, or this was a remake, so it can't be on the things like that? No. No, I feel like for the, the teens, the 20 teens, you got to have a remake or a revamping or something on there, right? Oh, I do. Yeah, I, I do, do too. Definitely. Cool. It's hard to say. I mean, I kind of just went with these have been my favorite movies recently. And mm-hmm. which ones do I think are, are going to be something I'll come back to in another 10 years? You know, what's going to stand the test of time? Yeah, I, I kind of did the same thing. Uh, I, I, I looked at every year and just picked a movie that I'm like, oh, dude, I'd love watching that. Mm-hmm. I've watched that like recently or, you know what I mean? Or I, I still remember scenes from it or, you know what I mean? Right. Or I talk about it a lot or I mention it when I'm writing about other horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was basically my criteria. But I did just have to go start with 2009 going through 2019, pick one from each. And what's interesting about that is the list, when it shook out at the very end, Almost is a ten nine eight seven six kind of a thing in a way. Uh, I don't like. I kind of. I kind of don't disagree that it could be a ten to one. Uh, so as you're starting with ten and going to one. Mm-hmm. Well, then I, if you don't mind, would love to hear your uh, your number ten. Okay, great. I'm ready. Wait for these to be identical. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be so okay. Well, you know, it's always tough because you. Know, it, sometimes I think. Should it be the movies I consider the very best or should it be these are my favorites because those are two different lists. Oh, and I don't know. And they, they go together sometimes, but sometimes they don't. (laughs) 
you know, the Greasy Strangler. I really love that movie. I've watched it many times now. Same. You know, but do I put it on? Is this a great, is this going to be talked about? You know what I mean? All right. So number two. (laughs) I feel like there were a lot of good anthologies that came out in the teens. And uh, the one that I like the best is VHS Part 2. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Which came out in 2013. Mm-hmm. I think that one has the best group of, of shorts. It's got um, the, the zombie uh, on the bike that was a really fun one by um, the fellow who made Blair Witch. Hmm. Eduardo Sanchez, I think, made that one. I don't know. And uh, it's got the uh, the cult segment, the Indonesian cult. Oh, that was good. Yeah, it was. And the uh, alien invasion one with the kids, which is very like Spielbergian. I really like mm-hmm. that one a lot. And I think the first one that Adam Wingard did, not so great, but it's an anthology, you know? They're not, yeah. they're never all great. Um, was it all men on that one? Uh, yes. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. But Roxanne but, Benjamin uh, produced it. Yeah, I remember. It's, uh, had her on the podcast years ago yeah. when she was doing Southbound or on the promotional thing for Southbound. I remember. That's one of the first episodes of your podcast that I listened to. Yeah. I had a great time talking to her. I would love to talk her talk to her about uh was that bad day at Bright Rock? I have something? a hard time remembering. Body at Brighton Rock. Body at Brighton Rock. Yeah, it was um dug that. I dug that. Mm-hmm. She did a couple uh, of creep shows too. I know. Guy love creep show. My friend Andy is the monster in that very first one. Oh yeah. Well, it's an Atlanta thing, so yeah, right. You know, a bunch of people I know worked on that. Uh, well, so I'm I'm starting with 2009. I'm going through 2019. My choice for 2009 is Human Centipede. Oh man! And there, I, this is not a movie people like. Uh, this is not a movie that I enjoyed when I first saw it. Um, however, a friend of mine. Uh, a very close friend of mine went to a midnight screening of it and just came back saying, I didn't see the same movie you saw because this <laughs> human centipede came to me as a screener. Um, I guess from IFC, uh, I, I don't remember what it was, but uh, there was a lot of talk about it. And I was like, this is just, just suffering. This is torture. This isn't, I, it's screaming. It's, I don't, there's nothing to this, but she's like, please go see it in a theater, something. And so I went, and years later, uh, before part two came out, there was a, it was a, a, a part, uh, Human Centipede, and then Human Centipede 2 premiere wow, at a convention really? at midnight. Yes, okay. that's how they did it. And so I went nuts over Human Centipede because I realized it's a mad scientist movie. It's not a torture movie. And the guy, Dieter Laser, that plays um, the the... Dr. Heater or whatever his name, he is brilliant. And what he is doing is off the scale because if I saw that guy in person, I would not want to speak to him. Um, and so Human Centipede is, to me, uh, not only great for a mad science movie, which is not a genre we get that much, which is a mm-hmm. wonderful genre I love in, in horror's past. I'm a big fan of, of uh, uh, the, the Tingler or, or the Fly or, or uh, Dr. Fives. 
any of that stuff, the man with the x-ray eyes, I feel like Human Centipede falls into that genre. That was my way into enjoying it. Um, it's gross, yeah, um, and, and it's you know irredeemable in some ways. <laughs> but um, to see it in that context really changed really changed it for me. And I actually, um, one of the few if only movies from that time period, kind of the end of what would be considered like the torture era, uh, that I actually don't mind watching. Some of those, those are the ones I cannot do them now, but that one and uh, Teresa, as I, I still enjoy. You know, uh, I have not seen The Human Centipede, nor have I seen part two. I'm afraid okay. because uh, of the poop. Grosses me out, oh. man. Okay, yeah, don't, uh, I can't, I'm not going to lie to you there. <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. Uh, two is worse than one, and then three worse than, t- I mean, they just, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't. I mean, there's a lot of things I can, I can watch somebody get disemboweled all day long, but I, I don't know, poop and like boogers, I can't do it. I hear you. I understand. We've all got our things. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, hit it. Let's hear number nine. Okay, this is my remake. Do you want to try and guess what it is? I, I'm almost positive, but I have somewhere on my list Evil Dead. Yep. Okay. Evil Dead. It's just the best remake that they've made. I mean, okay. Mm-hmm. I love Suspiria. Yeah, me too. And Suspiria almost made it, but Evil Dead... Same. They just nailed it. The, it was Fede Alvarez, right, who made that? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And a lot of people really love Don't Breathe, but I liked this better. I loved the direction they took it in. I loved having uh, a woman play Bruce Campbell's role, and I loved that mm-hmm. they didn't slapstick it up at all. They just played yes. it completely straight, completely gory, I loved it. That's how you do a remake. You bring something new to it. Yeah. And it still I mean, preserved I, what was great about, I mean, besides all the slapsticky stuff, what was cool about yeah. the original. I agree. I mean, I, I have nothing, I guess, to add to that. When, when the lead-in to Evil Dead remake and then the, the premiere, that, look, there was a preview screening they did about a week in advance here in Athens that I got to attend, and then... Um, the aftermath of it. I ended up doing like three podcasts about that and they're not on the feed anymore, but I, I just wring that whole thing dry. But my ending of it is this. Um, if anything is going to, if anything has squashed my horror fandom and threatened to make me turn in my horror fan card, it is not the conjuring. It is not it. It's not them messing with waxwork. <laughs> it is, it is how bro horror fandom tends to be. And when you experience that is mostly at the conventions, which used to be a place where nerds went. Yeah. But now, um, as a nerd, I feel afraid of these people. Uh, and, and, uh, and they're, they, they wear the denim vest and they are, they're, they're drunks and they they think they need to be as hardcore as the movies. They do. They, and Ash to them is, is, is evil dead. I disagree. Um, Ash is a character from Evil Dead 2, an army of darkness, and that TV show. Evil Dead is not about him. And when you remake Evil Dead, not making it about him is exactly what you want to do. And uh, the women in Evil Dead are my favorite thing about that first movie. 
mm-hmm. they don't get their, their they don't really get their due. And so uh, Evil Dead rocked it. I love it. Yes, it's like Fede Alvarez saw the same things and liked the same things in the original as I did, and decided to make the remake like that. Yeah, and I love Evil Dead. And at one point in time, I considered Evil Dead 2 the greatest film I'd ever seen in my life. And not because it was just stuck in my VCR for a year <laughs> and it was the only movie that would play. But I have, um, because of, similar with Ghostbusters, the backlash against the newest version of it has caused me to not really want to revisit the old. Mm-hmm. And so you were talking about two movies that were formative for me. Uh, the fandom, or, or as we call them, the toxic elements have turned me away. That's a solid choice, man. Um, this is going to seem funny to you. My choice for 2010 is rubber. Ah. <laughs> and I, Kate and I did an entire cult core episode on it. Uh, I don't know if that's still available on the feed or not, but rubber is a movie about a killer tire that can make people's heads explode. It is ridiculous and it means nothing. And they tell you at the beginning of the movie that it means nothing. <laughs> a cop gets out of a trunk of a car that has just gone through a bunch of chairs in a road and he's just like, you know, and I love that because the older I get, the less I care about mythology and world building and things like that. I just want to see weird stuff happen, hopefully that I've never seen before. Right. But even if I have, I just want you to dig in and do it to me and rubber just, oh, I love it. <laughs> I loved it when I saw it. And I, I just think it's one of the few pure midnight movies that have been made since the midnight movie era. Man, I knew you were going to pick movies I haven't seen. You've already got two movies on your list that I haven't seen. Well, this was worth it then, what we're doing. I'm pretty excited. I mean, Rubber has been on my list. And Human Centipede has too, because I've always felt like I ought to make myself watch it. But I would say you don't got it with Human Centipede, but Rubber is utter nonsense. And I just love it. <laughs> I love weird nonsense. It's like my favorite thing. I'd be surprised if you didn't like it. I'd be surprised if you didn't like it. All right, so you, you were at number eight for you? Yes. Okay. My number eight. I feel like I've been playing it safe now, but my number eight is It Follows. <gasps> yeah. Oh, that's, that's mine for 2014. You're making this real easy for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It Follows... Uh, is one of the few movies that I felt um, actually tense and anxious and a little creeped out watching in the theater this decade, I think. Not too many movies do that to me, and It Follows had a a really nice combination of, of great suspense building and a great score and a neat idea that was just different enough from things I'd seen that it made it compelling. And, of course, I love what it's about. I mean, they've all been about sex anyway. You might as well just make it blatantly about sex. Yeah. (laughs) Remember Cherry Falls? Oh, I really liked that. I'd love to see, like, the unrated version one day. That was the biggest deal when they released the... I'm not trying to derail this, but Cherry Falls is what I thought of when you said that. Brittany Murphy, man. God, Brittany Murphy. I loved her. Same. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, 2014, uh, and that was a tough year uh, to, to make a choice from, but It Follows was my pick. Um, I'll say this as a lifelong Nightmare on Elm Street fan. Um, 
Ed, Elm Street was the series that really got me into horror for real when I was a kid. It follows the closest thing anyone's ever made to the original Nightmare on Elm Street. I like that comparison. Um, it really is, and it does it one better in a lot of ways. Um, one of the main ones is that I don't believe you ever see an adult. Is that right? Uh, you see the mom, but she's blurry. The only other adults you see are the um, the people in white. Right, right. So it's in a way that, you know, uh, maybe like the peanuts of, of Yeah, horror. exactly. Going to kill you. I, I, I love that. I love the music. But I also just loved um, the fact that uh, it is a slasher with no visible killer. Um, that is one of the reasons why I consider um, the Final Destination franchise to be the greatest and most consistent horror franchise of all time. Because it absolutely um, does not care to create a iconic killer. And... Um, thus alleviates itself from all the reasons why horror franchises eventually fall on a stick and die and suck. And uh, it follows, did that whole thing uh, uh, definitely one better. So I feel like, but yeah, the best compliment I could give it, the highest compliment I could give it, and I thought this as soon as I left the theater, maybe even while I was watching it, that it's the heir apparent of Nightmare on Elm Street. Without maybe even trying to be that, that's what it was to me. Oh, I really like that comparison. How about that opening, too? The opening segment that follows, man. I know. I know. I know. Out of all the horrors that people don't think is horror, that's my favorite. That's definitely my favorite. All right, what do I got? Uh, for 2011, I have The Skin I Live In, Pedro Almodovar. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. I, um, this is a basically an uh, inverted rape revenge movie, or maybe not inverted, but just like a you know, one of those deconstructions of it, mm-hmm. maybe I could say. Um, and at the time that I saw it, I had not seen Eyes Without a Face. Uh, but then I later, of course, watched that. That's the one that's sort of kind of similar, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I was a guest on a podcast maybe earlier this year or last year that talked about it. Um, I've always been a big fan of Almodovar, but I, uh, I go back and forth on some of the old ones. Um, this was the first one I think he did with Banderas uh, in a, over two decades. And um, it's really like, it's not perfect. And if you wanted to argue that it's terrible, I would say okay. And if you wanted to say it was irresponsible, I would also say okay. Um, but to me, uh, it remains sort of a fascinating experience. And um, again, when I look back on these movies in each year, I just put my finger out on one. I said, I will never forget that movie. And Skin I Live In is, is one of those. It's quite a, uh, an experience watching it, too. Yeah. If you, oh God, if you it go is. into it blind, especially. Yeah. Quite an yeah, interesting I, mystery, the way that it unfolds. It is. It is. And you, you think about, oh, God, I can't say too much. Okay, I'm not going to do no, it. No, better not. Just, you know, if you're one of those people that just reads the Wikipedia and says, seeing the movies, enjoy yourself. <laughs> Are we at uh, number seven for you? Yes. Okay. Uh, Number seven for me is more of a personal favorite than one that I think, oh, when we look back, this is going to exemplify the 2010s. I just really loved it. And that is The Black Coat's Daughter. Yeah. Oh, I love The Black Coat's Daughter. I had such a great experience watching that. Cool. And that's 2015. Now, I don't know if that's when it actually came out or when it was made 
because I know that I one know. sat around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's the one with the school, and it's like um, like school is over, but there's a some kind of like supernatural thing going on um, with the, the person that's left there. Yeah, right? Karen and Shipka okay. from Mad Men and, uh, and Lucy Boynton. They're uh, stuck at their school over a break. I love that. I love that. And Shipka gets all, all creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a great time watching that one. I found that to be very creepy, very creepy. And I love Oz Perkins, who made it. I loved uh, "I'm the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House," which lots of people didn't care for, and I get it, and I can totally understand why people didn't like it. It's one of those movies where you have to hear people say, "Well, nothing happened." Which is uh, maybe my pet peeve, hearing people talk about movies. But so they're talking about their own brain when they say that. <laughs> what's Oz Perkins' new movie? Like, what's his most recent movie? Uh, these are the only two that have come out. He's got one coming out in February, and it's going to be um, a reworking of Hansel and Gretel. Sweet. I'm there. Hopefully it's good. I'd rather it have been something that just came out of his brain again. But I'll take this. I could have sworn he had something in between black coats and that. No? No. I wish, because I really like (laughs) how he thinks. uh, For my 2012, uh, my pick is The Lords of Salem. Ooh, I almost went with that one. And I, it was, 2012 was the toughest one, one of the toughest ones for me, because in my heart, the best movie of 2012 happens to be Paranorman. And it could be argued that this is a horror movie, but for the sake of uh, the fact that I'm going to be then doing a family film list, I went with Lords of Salem. The reason why I went with Lords of Salem is because um, this comes up anytime I'm ever talking about Rob Zombie with people. Um, and, you know, he's one of those that has a fan base, not unlike Kevin Smith, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the fans seem to completely hate everything that they do and to think they only made one good movie. I don't like most of what he's done. However, uh, Lords of Salem, I felt, was amazing. And it was so good (laughs) that it makes me unable to not only watch his movies after it without comparing it, but also unable to watch the ones that came before it without comparing it. And um, But it it definitely showed that there is something there and that he isn't some kind of hack music video director or some, you know, like master of mouth breathers. He really... um, he really did make a very artistic thing. And uh, in his commentary, he talks about his usual thing. I couldn't do what I wanted. I didn't have enough money. Yeah. I didn't have enough time. I didn't have, so you always, da, 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 except he made a great movie this time. So there's Lords of Salem. I dig it. Yeah, I really do too. And it's, I was so disappointed with 31 and I haven't seen three from hell because I'm afraid I'm going to be super disappointed with that too. Mm-mm. no, I don't want to go into it, but did you see the? Did you ever see From Dust Till Dawn the series? Uh uh. It's like the pilot episode of Devil's Rejects the series. Oh God, yeah, and I think Devil's Rejects is well. It's not his weakest movie, but I think it's no pretty close. Uh, I can't even say anymore. I I I dislike mostly just what that became. Uh, with fans, mm-hmm. it became the only thing that they seemed to want from him. 
And um, which is a shame. A, Such a shame. Yeah, but you know, I'm just not into beard horror, and you know what I'm talking. Oh, about. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> He was Lords of Salem had such interesting visuals. Yeah, I mean, you'd think he yeah. would. I don't know. It it hey, it just had some magic. That's all I could say. And of course, you know Meg Foster. Yeah, that didn't hurt. Right? The three the three witches there mm-hmm. they had. Dee Wallace was, and oh, what's the woman who played? Yeah, Magenta. I know. I mean, uh, Magenta. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's late. But yeah, no, for real, Patricia Quinn. Yes. Good job. There. Ah, there I go. Okay. But anyway, so are we at, are we at seven or are we at six for you? Over six. six. Okay. We are at six. And my six is from 2011. It's the earliest movie I have on my list. Okay. I think I must have liked the end of the decade better. <laughs> it did get, I think the movies got, it got harder to choose as the decade went for sure. I agree. And uh, I picked Kill List. Oh, man. Oh, what a day ruiner that movie is. Wow. <laughs> or week ruiner. Yeah. Or life ruiner. <laughs> Such an intense twist. And it's a really macho movie. And I it don't is. love everything about it. But, man, that twist got me. And I really like folk horror. And it was a, yeah. it was a nice example of that covert folk horror but folklore. Yeah. No, in, in the list of, um, you know, and there's, there's this ongoing list of most disturbing movies ever made. Uh, the kill list joins it, you know, for mm-hmm. those of you who are the, your white knuckle uh, movie watchers and want to make sure you've seen the most screwed up movies ever made. <laughs> uh, it always is. It's always like a kind of a high five when someone manages to crank one out because I mean, we've seen all those other ones, so aren't we unshockable now? Aren't we unshakable now? For any of, for anyone to do something that really gets people, um, in you know these days and these times, that's a commendable thing. So I, I completely agree. Plus, it's got a, it's got a, a little bit of heart to it too, which is makes it even worse. It makes it even more of a slap in the face. At the end, because you kind of like the characters. They yeah, give you a little oh kitchen sink uh, drama. And then they, <laughs> they break do. your heart. They do. And then uh, the very ending, right out of Room on the Broom. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Shouldn't say that. That's not nice. <laughs> But it kind of is Room on the Broom. Uh, <laughs> um. Let's see here. Uh, we did my 2013, which is Evil Dead. We did my 2014, which is It Follows. Mm-hmm. That brings us to 2015, Green Room. Ah, uh, yeah. And um, Green Room, uh, this was the guy that, that made um, some movie about Blue Ruin. Yep. Yeah. J- J- Jeremy Sosler, Salier, Salier, Salieri. Green Room has punk rock, which... I love. And so, but if you're going to make a punk rock horror movie, I'm just real specific about what that should be. And um, some people don't think of Green Room as horror, but God, it's gory enough. It is survival horror, folks. And it's one of the better ones that I've ever seen. Um, You also have Anton Yelchin. And I recently watched the Anton Yelchin documentary called Love Antosha. And, um, 
I loved Green Room as soon as I saw it. I loved it while I was watching it. I thought it was just a great bottle horror kind of experience. You know, the, the Night of the Living Dead, Evil Dead, whatever you want to call it. It's right in there with those, mm-hmm. except Nazis, you know. Right. And so you feel much better about killing them than you do about killing zombies. I'd be conflicted about killing a zombie. A Nazi. And Nazis are a lot scarier. <laughs> They are. And so, uh, and you know, um, but, but Green Room also just some shocking uh, amount of, um, of, of mutilation that, that, is, uh, that, fall, that befalls the cast, the main cast. And to me, that's always an unforgettable thing because that's one of the rules that is seldom broken and it upsets people when it happens. I, I'm thinking mostly of my friend Brian, who I forget what movie he saw, but intensely disliked because of that. But I always think of the uh, House of Wax remake when... Uh, I forget who it was, the actor, but she puts her hands up. The final girl puts her hands up through a grate and the, the killer snips her finger off. Oh, God. Right? But you remember that. Yeah. Because you know? they don't maim the main cast, right? Final girl, don't, don't scuff her up too much. Uh, and Green Room, of course, has some... But, yeah, they fix it with duct tape. <laughs> oh, mean, God, yeah. Plum- His hand gets just destroyed, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah there are... It is... Someone was a real punk that made this movie and totally. And so if you're a punk or even if you've just, you know, experienced the, the DIY, you know, club level band musician kind of a deal. This movie is just one of the very few that accurately depicts it. Um, I'd say maybe the runaways actually, it was one of the other few that really nailed it. And people don't really talk about that one or even like it, but uh, yeah, green room, man, 2015. Yeah. God, it was very exciting, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I just... Exciting I, and I, scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some people define horror as having to have a supernatural element, but I, I don't always agree with that. Heck no. So Psycho's things. not horror? Get out of my face. <laughs> Get out of my face with that business. If only there'd been a clown. All right, are we at uh, <laughs> five with you? Five. Okay. Uh, five is from 2014, just like it follows. I have three on my list from 2014. That was a tough, yeah, oh God, I bet I know what they are. 2014 was very hard for me. Probably my favorite year so far, this decade. Mm. Uh, the second one on my list from 2014 is A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. That was so hard to, it it was, it follows in that, kept going back. (laughs) kept going back and forth uh and i don't even know what it was that made me knock that one off uh but because it's almost a perfect movie i guess yeah and that's got it is almost a perfect movie it's so smart it's so pretty i had to have at least one black and white movie on the list and i came real close to putting the eyes of my mother on the list too but i went with a girl walks home alone at night it's just so dreamy and so feminist and so cool. It's definitely the coolest movie on my list by a country mile. I love it. And I wish more people had seen it. But this is a prime example of, oh, that nothing happens. Oh, God. It's you know? everything. And, and my main reason for keeping it was that I wanted uh, a movie by a female director on yes. here. Because those... But I... It was, it was, there was some stuff about, about her in the press right before 
uh, the Bad Batch came out yeah. that just made me, mm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I absolutely love that movie. Uh, my favorite parts of the movie have very little to do with vampiring and everything to do with just mood, mm-hmm. you know, and um, definitely thinking of that scene where the record goes on and it's just, you know, the two of them in there vibing and I'm like, God, this has got to be one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. Um, let's see. What do I have here? Um, my next one, 2016, Under the Shadow. Oh, nice. And uh, speaking of directors whose next movies I didn't enjoy, this would be one of them. Um, they put out a movie this year called Wounds that I did not like. Uh, but uh, Babak Anvari, I guess that's how you say that. I've never heard it pronounced. So I don't know. Under the Shadow um, is uh, an unforgettable kind of a setup. It does have supernatural. Uh, and, and it's literally what it sounds like is the plot. And you've got a mother um, uh, with their kid, and she refuses to leave where they live in their building, even when a bomb falls right through the ceiling. And uh, it was one of the most original plots I'd ever seen. And um, it did have some CGI that was a little eh. Mm-hmm. But uh, to me, uh, this was uh, very, it, it was very much Exorcist-like for me. And it was everything that... Respect to Jennifer Kent, I think The Nightingale is a better movie than Babadook is. Under the Shadow is what everybody was saying Babadook was, for me anyway. Well, that's a hot take. I I think that it plays on a lot of uh, parental fears. And some of the scenes where she, like when she's going back for her daughter's toy and stuff, not being able to find the toy, like, it was insane. Yeah. I just and you know. I love some of the some of the imagery in this. Just the the look of that bomb halfway in the building. It's just what other movies doing that? You know what I mean? It just again when I take when I took out the list and I started looking at the year and I started looking at the movies. If I can remember, if it, any of it impacted me, that put it in the running for me. And under the shadow, just. I've recommended it to so many people. It was right there on Netflix forever, yeah. and people still haven't watched it. And honestly, the the CGI is a little bit, Mm-mm. a little yeah. bit bad. But it didn't even really need it. No, it could have not had any kind of special effects, and it would have been just as impactful. I think probably more. No, I totally, I totally agree. And yes, it would have. And I still haven't gotten to see Wounds because I don't have Hulu. And I thought I was going to sign up for Hulu, but I decided to get Disney Plus so that I could watch The Simpsons and just kind of continuously. So does, that mean you, does that mean you've not seen Little Monsters? Uh-uh. No, nope, and I haven't seen Monsters. Castle Rock. And I haven't seen, um, I don't know, that seasonal anthology show that has some pretty good directors working on it. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, into darkness or something like that. Or I don't even know uh, what it's called. Each each one has a different title, so I I'm not even sure what the like overall thing is God. called. I don't know, but the one um, the one that was uh, like the Day of the Dead one. Oh God, uh, I can't remember of it now. Uh, Gigi Sol Guerrero's God, that was amazing. She's such a good director. I hope she, they. I hope she gets like every movie. It's great. Um, well, hey, I, I don't have HBO or Showtime, so look at all the stuff that I haven't seen. 
Yeah. I just, I'm just a guy sitting here who's seen every episode of Glow. And that's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's nothing to sneeze shri- at. Yeah, and Shrill. I watched the entire Shrill as well. Uh, let's see. Um, what do we have for you? Number, number four? Yes, sir. Okay. My number four is Get Out. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. That's actually, that's, that's next for me as well. 2017 Get Out. Woohoo. Yeah, we're right there. I mean, we've both done a lot of talking about Get Out. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. And it's, it's just the closest thing I can think of to The Stepford Wives. And I love both of those movies. And this, it just has the best balance of suspense and humor and the subtleties of the dialogue and the interaction between the characters. He just nails it. And it's something that I don't think many people really consider. It's not that overt kind of cartoony racism. Do you know what I mean that you you get in a lot of movies that say they're going to tackle mm-hmm. the tough issues? You know, it's not yeah. that kind of stuff. It's more the the little things, the microaggressions and and just little comments and stuff and he he kind of showed people that who hadn't thought about it before. Yeah. And did it yeah. in a way where it didn't feel preachy or um like he was lecturing and just made you feel what it would be like. Yeah. No, I, um, you know, I don't think I've talked about get out since twilight zone, but I am a major twilight zone fan, like from childhood. Mm-hmm. This is something that's, it's something I shared with my dad and I watched the entire twilight zone from beginning to end. Um, if not every year, once every other year. I just, I think it's absolutely brilliant. And um, every time I see one of the episodes that deals with the subject of prejudice uh, or race specifically, as time goes on, those episodes are, could not be more current, could not be more prescient, could not be more relevant. I just, I'm like, do you want to stop everything and go show this to everyone? Yeah. And, and when I saw Get Out, I went like, I didn't know anything about Jordan Peele. You know, I'd seen some Key and Peele. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that show was seen as like the replacement for Chappelle's show and people who were Chappelle loyalists. Da, 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 da. I, could, I don't want to go backwards or anything, but there was a thing about Key and Peele. And so, but Get Out, I was like, God, this is a great Twilight Zone. Rod Serling would love this. And when I realized that that was what was going on and the ending, they didn't screw that up. Which, you know, not to be a spoiler, but some people's point of contention with the film Queen and Slim with Daniel Kaluuya is, is the way it ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, Get Out was bulletproof. And, um, as, yeah, and seeing what Jordan Peele did with Twilight Zone, I was just like, he so gets it. Rod Serling would love this. And um, that's a high, high compliment. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's see here, man. I'm at my 2018, and uh, for 2018, I chose Climax, oh, hey. which uh, has has fallen on um, John Waters' top 10 list of 2019 for some reason, but it's a 2018 movie, so 
I don't know. But listen, um, he can do what he yeah, wants. He can. Uh, a climax is incredible for just in technical terms alone because you have a forty-five minute wonder, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, one uh, one take uninterrupted. Um, Sophia Butella, who I loved in The Mummy, and was probably the only thing. Oh no, that's not true. I love the part in The Mummy where they go into the room and find all the little artifacts from other like Universal monsters. <laughs> in my heart of hearts, I really was hoping Dark Universe would happen. But um, she is so great. The movie, the structure of it, it breaks horror. It breaks it, and I could not think of a culture a film culture that needed to be broken as desperately as horror movie culture needed to be broken. Someone needed to just in one movie, just completely tear it up. And when I watched climax, I was just punching at nothing because of all of these people that think that they're experts on horror movies and what they should be. And it's only informed by not only the male point of view, but the Mm eighties, which is the stupid action figure that's never been opened. I, anyway, I won't go into all that. You and I feel the same. Oh yes. Climax to me, uh, even if it was difficult on purpose, just blew my. It, it just it, it blew the doors off for me. I absolutely loved the way it was and what it did. And the angrier I felt the audience was getting at it when I was watching it, the more I loved. It. Did you see it in the theater? Yeah. Oh wow, yeah, that'd yeah. be neat. It was. I can't imagine yeah, they seen, would be a. Uh... I can't imagine you'd have a whole theater full of people that would be receptive to that. No, they weren't. Um, I saw Love in the theater. I saw um, uh, Enter the Void in the theater. I saw Irreversible in the theater. Oh man! I've seen. Yeah, I saw. I got. I saw all of those. Whoever's the distributor for Gaspar Noe's movies, he they do get into the art houses. And but Climax is, I would have to say, best experienced. Uh, either on the big screen with a loud, loud sound system or just in a dark room with your headphones on. And don't look at your phone. Don't do anything except just let that movie, you know, just grab a hold of you. Yeah, his movies are best when you do that. Just the way that he films things. Yeah, and this to me is the greatest thing he's made. Climax. I really liked it. I don't know if I think it's his best, but I've only seen it once. It just... May have been situational for me, but I had the best experience with it. Um, are we at three free or are we at two? Three. Okay, three, three. This is first one I've picked from 2016. And it's raw. Yeah, oh, I had that on my list. That was one of the runners up. I love raw. I mean, yeah. I think I uh, came on and talked about raw with you. If I recall I correctly, and we both were pretty in love with it. Yeah. I am waiting oh anxiously for the director to make something else. Do you know anything? I don't. I haven't. I'm still not over Raw, to be quite honest. And the wait for that was agonizing. Mm-hmm. I badly wanted to see it. By the time I got to see it, I badly wanted to see yes. it. And it, it didn't disappoint. It was, it was great. And, you know, I had things on the list. Like I had excision on the list at yes. one point. I had revenge on the list at one mm-hmm. point. But Raw was like, you know, the, I, I don't know, just on another level. I don't know why I associated them. I guess I'm thinking other things that didn't quite make it. But, yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. And not even just the cannibalism, which you always got my heart with cannibalism. Sure. Just the, uh, the, the music, you know. Um, yes, the soundtrack was great and just the that. way it looked was great 
Remember the scene with the paint? Of course I remember the scene with the paint. That was that could just be its own little video, you know? It didn't have to look cool either for the story <laughs> to be effective, but it did. God, I love it. I like so her good. a lot, and I'm very excited to see what she does next. Well, uh, the uh, my my last one I have for 2019 because we picked so many of the same ones <laughs> is Us, another Jordan Peele. Um, I I do uh, like Us better than Get Out, which uh, a lot of people don't share that opinion. But uh, again, to me, this was even even more of a Twilight Zone. Uh, because its overall message is, uh, I feel more ambiguous. Oh yeah, and and therefore uh, more frightening. And I still, I still have people texting me about this <laughs> yeah. movie, and it's been out almost a year. And they're like, Andrew, what does this mean? Or you know, because they know that I loved it. I went to see Us four times, and had a different experience with it each time, even though I knew it was coming up. There are things I don't like about it, but there are. It's just overwhelmingly great. I'm still not over who I am seeing on the screen. I cannot name you another movie that has a cast like this. And you could argue that there's maybe other stories that you've seen that are kind of like it. There's no movie like us, like that statement. There's no other movie like us is I stand by that. It's a, to get a classic two genre classics from the same director within this span of time is amazing to me. Um, I know college courses that were teaching it almost immediately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, who who comes out of the gate with two movies in the span of, what, three years? Yeah. That are that good. I think I think Get Out is, is a more perfect movie, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I sort of went for, went for that, I guess. I think Get Out is maybe a little better technically, but us, I give it points for being extra weird, extra yeah. weird. Just all the stuff with the bunnies and the beginning of it, how it looks at the beginning. He wasn't afraid to go weird and God bless mm-hmm. him for that. <laughs> uh, for me, it's, it falls on the, uh, the performance of Lupita Nyong'o. Honestly, she is playing uh, one of the most terrifying villains in horror movie history and also one of the uh, best, like, if, I don't know if you want to call, I hate saying final girl, but you know yeah. what I mean? She was hero and villain in the same movie and the movie was also good and wasn't even about And that. didn't feel gimmicky because of it at all. No, it just seemed like there were two cool. actors. Mm-hmm. And that's a testament to how great her performances were. Yeah, I couldn't get enough of information and interviews and all of that stuff. I'm just... Yeah, still a little bit obsessed with it, to be honest. <laughs> that hasn't gone away. And reading about all the movies that he makes the cast watch to get in the mood and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that gets me yeah, all nerded way- out. Yeah, oh, I'm the same. Absolutely the same way. <laughs> or we got two in one for you. I man. know. The last two are yours. <sighs> These were my two favorites of the decade by far. I didn't have to think about my top three at all. So they were uh, 2014, 2015, 2016. Okay. And uh, my number two is The Babadook. Yeah. And my number one is The Witch. Man, these are s- solid. Solid, solid, solid. The Witch to me is just 
iconic. It's like the perfect witch movie. There's no wrong notes in that movie at all. It's, it's, it's terrifying. The acting is amazing. And it's so satisfying. Like, I, I wanted to stand up and cheer at the end of that movie. Everything, it's everything that I wanted in, like, a full core movie. And I still love it. I still love it more than The Lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. Lighthouse, to me, is almost, like, almost in a whole other category. I put Lighthouse almost in the category of Eraserhead. It's yep. just, it was qu- quite experimental uh, thing, and it was more about, uh, honestly, sound mm-hmm. uh, than anything else, I felt. Um, but, uh, yeah, and you can talk about, about Babadook if you want, you know? Like, we don't have to, like, skip over that just because I, I said something. I, I, I love it. I mean, I love that whole class of movies, the hereditary. They're all going to be talked about in the same breath anyway. You know what I mean? Yes. And I, I'm, I have nothing against any of them. Uh, but um, Babadook rocked my world, man. I love, I love the color palette she uses. Everything is super deliberate, and Essie uh, Davis's performance is amazing, amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Babadook is my favorite monster of the decade for sure. I, I just really yeah. love that movie. I think it's it's amazing. I have to show you a picture of my friend Mia in her Babadook costume. She she made it almost immediately after the movie. She's great great at drawing and painting, among many other things. She's the host of I Spit on Your Gravy, the the first horror cooking show ever on YouTube. Um, and I'm not, you know, like biased just because we filmed it together in her apartment. <laughs> but but uh, um, I bought the the Rainbow Edition, even though I already owned the the cool one. Nice. You know, like that original, I was, I was like so pre-ordered that. I, I fully stand by Babadook and all it means and, and uh, all, it, all it stands for and, you know, its place. And it will always be talked about as one of the best modern day horror movies. Absolutely. And um, Jennifer Kent, unbelievable director. She is. And I, yeah, the Nightingale to me was just more of my kind of movie, I guess. Um, not an easy movie to watch by any stretch of the imagination, but no, Babadook's a little more fun to watch, I guess. It is, it is. Um, and uh, the witch, I have very personal, um, very personal things that that uh, happened to me when seeing that movie, and I, I absolutely, uh, it's been out a long time, so I can see the part where um, all the wood pile yeah. falls. I just started to sob about that. It 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 hit on something very very personal with me, um, and that would take me another thirty minutes to talk about. I don't mind telling the story, but um, it, it's going to derail the whole of everything. I just want to say that I'm completely with you on that, and uh, I think the one reason why the witch I didn't um, get on my list is because of um, I didn't want to see the devil. You didn't want to be able to. When it when Black Philip talks to her, that bothered you. That when it when it became a person, when you saw they the, had to show. the hands on her shoulders, you, you don't even, yeah, you don't even see the whole person. Mm-hmm. You just I was like, ah, that that was the only thing. That's not a bad thing. That's just a me thing, you know. Yeah, uh, they had me who was talked about. It would have been a deal breaker. I understand. Yeah, yeah, but I just I kind of was I was so there. 
Um, and that, that was, you know, you, you'd said that it doesn't make one misstep. I don't consider that a misstep in, in terms of film. You needed that. I just mean in terms of me who loves It Follows and Final Destination. Right. I didn't want to see. I didn't want to see. I didn't want it to, I didn't want it to take a physical form. But would you have anything that you like, any, any runner up or anything that you're just like, it, it pained me to leave this off kind of thing? Or are you pretty much like, this is where it uh, lays? No, there were about a million. <laughs> Honestly, uh, honeymoon, Lee Winnell's uh, honeymoon. The, oh, I love honeymoon yeah. so much. Yeah. It's really yeah. cool. I loved the visit. I think that was a great uh, fake documentary. And I, I was happy to see M. Night come back and actually make something really good again. Suspiria, Eyes of My Mother. There's so many, Andrew. Prevenge. Yeah. Really loved Prevenge. Yeah. Um, I, I got like in my 20 were, um, were Revenge. Um, yes. Corley Farzi Revenge. Uh, actually, Drag Me to Hell was in there. Um, Starry Eyes. Mm-hmm. Was that was in on there. mine too. Um, I mentioned Excision. Yep. Um, Escape from Tomorrow was in there. Oh, the that's one that the they Disney made one. at Disney World. Yeah. Yeah. That one's really, really great and an unforgettable movie. The only other one, uh, Thirst. Yes. The vampire mm-hmm. one. Yeah. But um, other than that, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about Again, I wished I would have had more female directors. That's the only thing that I, I really can't stand about my list. Oh, how many did I have? One, two, three. Only three. I, even one would be doing better than <laughs> I did, so... This is me applauding greatly. Well, um, it's, I mean, are you you're optimistic, obviously, about the future of, of horror movies? Of course. Of course I am. I mean, I, I feel like this decade was really good, but I think as things get more and more dystopian, it's just going to be more and more like 1999. Yeah, People are going to be I like, agree, nah, screw it. <laughs> is there anything like you badly was hoping you'd get a chance to see before making the list? There are a few things. Uh, I watched, I saw The Devil a while ago. And yeah, that's a great one. I fell asleep and I haven't rewatched it and I really want to. So I didn't get to and I, I have a feeling that might have been on my list. Yeah, if I could sell you that one, um, uh, it's pretty much the closest I feel anyone's gotten to uh, Silence of the Lambs. And that's pretty great. Great flipping movie. Yep. That's how I felt when I saw that one. What else was, uh, what else have I not gotten to? Uh, I wanted to watch The Wailing again because I really loved that and I wasn't mm. sure whether or not it was good enough, I thought, to, to make the top 10 list. But it's so long. I just, I'd already seen it twice. I was like, nope. I can't do it again. Yeah, I know. No, you all did a uh, episode of the Bloodlust about the whaling, did you not? No, no, maybe we it was haven't just done that the I remember whaling. Talking to you about the whaling. Yeah, maybe okay. so. Maybe I just okay. I talked about it on the show, but we never did an episode because I couldn't maybe get them to sign it. on for a super long movie. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Uh, the one I really was hoping to get a chance to see before I made the list is one called Knives and Skin. Uh, and that actually comes out Friday. Oh. A lot of people saw it on the festival circuit. Uh, Ashley Blackwell at um, the Graveyard Shift Sisters uh, really is championing that movie. And uh, she is, to me, 
one of the foremost uh, voices in um, like you know horror journal- journalism or horror academia, I should say, mm-hmm. and one of the most important to me anyway. And um, she's really all behind that movie. The way, in a, even more so than she was behind Tragedy Girls, which she was completely right about as well. And a, a girl with all the gifts before that. So I, I would have, yeah, I would have really loved to have seen Knives and Skin. I can't Knives wait. Knives and Skin. Did you see uh, yeah. Knife, Knife Plus Heart? Oh, yeah. I got to see that in the theater. Yes. I really yes, I enjoyed did. that, too. That was on my list for a minute. It's yeah, definitely going to be on my too. favorite of the year list. I can see how you would love that one. I absolutely can. What a wonderful opening scene that was. That oh, look yeah. at the people that uh, want a refund to go ahead and get <laughs> out of the theater. <laughs> you know how men are. You know, the old, with their bodies and whatnot. Oh, yes. <laughs> the Love Witch was also on my list, but I watched that last night. Yeah. And you were correct in that I absolutely loved how it looked. <laughs> absolutely it's loved uncanny. how it looked. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to, I can't talk, I can't say it on the recording, but I have some, some things I can say about that. I love it too, but yeah, I have a little, little bit of trivia. <laughs> Okay. That I, that I wouldn't want to say. But anyway, Amy, I feel like we nailed it, man. We got this. I feel like this is a solid one hour and nine minutes and counting. I could, talking with you about movies is one of my favorite things to do in the world. Listening to you talk about movies also one of my absolute favorite things. Uh, the Bloodlust is, which, by the way, please give all the info about your show. Oh, sure. It's a horror movie review podcast. It's me and a couple other folks. And uh, it's on all the podcast places. Wherever you're listening to this, you can find it. Or you can go to our website, or thebloodless.net. Yeah, it's one of the... I gotta, I gotta say, um, the horror fan that I was at the beginning of the decade is not the horror fan that I am at the end. Um, I've changed uh, quite a bit uh, emotionally. Uh, the way I relate to film has changed drastically. And um, as a result, uh, my horror fandom is kind of on and off. And I'm at a really big on at the moment, and it's got nothing to do with what is very popular in theaters, and it has everything to do with the quality of artist uh, that is making movies now and what horror, I feel, means uh, as, a, as a genre of film compared to what it meant in the past. And so um, I will not only love to hear you continue to talk about it for as long as you, as you, as you feel, but um, also if you... You know, any time that I can have you uh, come and talk to uh, me about it on my show is a complete and total pleasure and honor. So thank you. Oh, this is always a thrill for me. I love coming on. You are probably, this is my favorite movie podcast. You always seem to sum up exactly what I'm thinking in, in a much better mm. way than I can put it. I always am pumping my fists when I listen. Thanks. Well, I have to say, you know, this could have ended up being like one of those echo chambers, but it ended up. No, we had a lot of different (laughs) stuff. I'm proud of us. We did.